One must fix times to learn Torah at night. We need to take care to learn Torah at night, even more than during the day. One who negates it, his punishment is great. If you have a fixed amount that you need to learn each day, and you were busy during the day and unable to complete it, then you should complete it immediately that night. Avoid base if in the laws of Shema at bedtime. One should read the first paragraph of the Shema on his bed and make the bracha He should read the Shema close to his bed. And what should not eat or drink or speak after the Shema of bedtime, rather go to sleep immediately. says, You shall say in your hearts on your beds and be quiet forever. And see above whether it's permissible to read when you're lying down. If you read the Shema and you can't fall asleep immediately, then continue to read it over and over again. Until you fall asleep. So that your reading is close to your sleep. And you don't make a bracha over the Shema in bed. He should say chapter 91 of Tehillim. And he should say Hashem from chapter 3 in Tehillim. From Zechariah chapter 3. From chapter 121 in Tehillim. From chapter 31 in Tehillim. The priestly blessings from Bamibar, Vaimarin should say Hashkivenu at Samachima. I should say in paragraph of Hashkivenu until close to its conclusion. When you take off your robe, you shouldn't uh, remove it from bottom to top. Because that would make you naked. But take it off via your head. And cover himself with the sheets from below. And enter into his bed. The laws of modesty. How should a person behave in engaging in marital relations? If a person is married, he shouldn't engage in too much intimate activity. Only the amount that the Torah prescribes. People who travel for business, who have uh, livelihood available and they don't pay taxes, they have a marital obligation daily. Workers who do their business in a different city, but they stay each night at home, their obligation is once a week. And if they work in town, twice a week. Donkey drivers, once a week. Camel drivers, once a month. People who, sailors, once every six months. And the time for Torah scholars is Friday nights. And every person needs to be with his wife on the night of her mikvah, and on a night, on the day prior to going out to a journey, unless he's going for a mitzvah matter. Similarly, if his wife is nursing, and he recognizes that she is. Uh, endearing herself to him by adorning herself and the like, he needs to be with her. 
And even when he is with her, he shouldn't be thinking about his own enjoyment. Rather, he should be thinking that this is his duty, that he uh, is um, duty-bound to be with his wife and to fulfill the mitzvah of his creator. That he should have the children who are occupied in Torah and fulfilling mitzvahs of the Jewish people. And also, if she's pregnant and he's having in mind the making, having a good baby, because during the final six months of the pregnancy, it is good for the baby. Uh, and so that's, if he's having in mind that that's his intent, then that works too. And if he's having in mind that he is engaged with his wife so that he won't uh, stray Otherwise, uh, because he sees that his his inclination is strong and desires uh, such matters. Also for this, there is one receives reward. However, continues the Ideally, one should push off one's yetahara and conquer it. Because it's really just a small limb that a person has. If you make it go hungry, then it's satisfied. Must be, but if you feed it, it gets even more hungry. But someone who doesn't need the matter, but what he does is he awakens his desire in order to fulfill his desire. This is the counsel of the Yetzirah. And from permissible activity, he will then turn the person to forbidden activity. And about this, our sages have said, one who... Uh, makes himself hard on purpose uh, should be excommunicated. A person shouldn't drink from one cup, from one wife, and uh, place his eyes on another cup, someone else. He shouldn't be thinking about any other woman, even if both of them are his wives. Gimel. So the Pasuk in Yicheskel says, talks about those who rebel against God. This refers to people of nine attributes. B'nai Amnusa, children of a forced um, encounter. B'nai Snua, children of a, an encounter where they despise one another. B'nai Nidoi, children of an excommunicated um, couple. B'nai Tumura, uh, an exchanged couple. B'nai Meredes, one who was who had rebelled, if they were drunk, one who had already decided that he was going to divorce his wife in his heart, and he didn't actually bring it to fruition, but he still engaged in intimacy, those that were mixed up, and those that were children of uh, disrespect. It's forbidden to look at the uh, private area. Anyone who looks there has no shame. And he transgresses the obligation to be modest. And he removes shame from his face. Anyone who has no shame does not sin. As it's written, in order that his fear, that God's fear, should be on your faces. This is shame. So that you will not sin. Furthermore, to Yetzirah He uh, drags the Yetzirah into his soul. How much more so one who kisses there? He transgresses all of the above and more. Overall, that he transgresses the commandment about Tashaktus Nafshayseichem. You shall not make. You shall not disgrace your souls. Hey, who The man below and the woman above. Zuderch Azus. That is 
a, a, an overly bold uh, approach. If they were side by side, this is a crooked way. It's forbidden to uh, engage in marital relations in, in front of anyone else who is awake. Sorry, even if you put a barrier uh, between you. However, before a child who cannot yet speak, more is permissible. Uh, a house or a room that contains a Sefer Torah or Chumashim that are made with parchment. Also, the Shamash boy, it's forbidden to engage in relations there. As you have a until you erect a barrier. Says the Ramal, and concerning whether you can make that barrier on Shabbos, see further. If you have another room, then it's forbidden uh, to engage in relations there until you take out those holy, holy items and place them in the other room. Uh, and if you have in the room tefillin or holy books of Hilchel Gemara, even uh, writings of Teresh Balpeh, it's forbidden to engage in relations until you place them in a double vessel. And when we say that there needs to be two utensils, it can't be that one of them is the regular bag. Like the tefillin boxes are not included. Says the Ramaba Ayn Lelsim and Memsif Bays for the details. Continues the Machaba Im Humi But if it is the unique uh, case for those items, I feel Merkikachad Even if you have a hundred of those, it's only considered like one. In Paris, Halus Al Gabe Argaz, if you spread a robe over the box, then that is considered like a vessel within a vessel. One shouldn't engage in relations at the beginning of night nor at the end. Lest the man hear voices of other people speaking and start having thoughts about another woman. Rather, one should uh, engage in relations in the middle of the night. And one should engage in relations with awe and fear. As it says about Rebbe that he would uh, reveal a handbreadth and and conceal a handbreadth. He would do it in a very modest way. And he acted as if he was uh, being forced by a shade. Meaning to say that he had a lot of reverence and, and fear of heaven. Some explain what does the phrase of revealing and, and concealing a tefach mean. That he would not fully insert himself uh, during intimacy in order to minimize his enjoyment. And that is the meaning that he it, it would appear that it was forced. That he was doing the matter in a forced manner. Some explain uh, that he would reveal a handbreadth of his wife mean to say that now he is revealing it for the purpose of intimacy now he is concealing it, covering it that he wouldn't lengthen the deed so once again it would seem that it was uh, performed under duress so uh, quick was his engagement that he would lift up the cloth that she was wearing. That even during relations, uh, she would wear this garment and uh, he would simply lift it up. And then he would cover it up in order to minimize his enjoyment. And the, these are all uh, proper explanations. And someone who is pious should be concerned. 
Uh, during relations, one shouldn't talk about other matters. Not during relations and not prior to. So that he doesn't start thinking about another woman. And if he chatted with her uh, as he was engaged in relations, Amr Allah, uh, they say about him, and they speak to the person that which he says. Even a light conversation between a husband and wife is retold to him at the time of the final judgment. If he was angry at her, he, it's forbidden for them to have relations until he appeases her. And then he can speak to her prior to relations in order to appease her. It's forbidden to engage in relations uh, with the lights on, even though he covers it with his cloak. Uh, but if he were to make a barrier, uh, a tall barrier before the light, even though you can see the light through the barrier, like for example, it's a sheet, shari, it's permissible. It also says there that it's permissible when he places a utensil over the light. And whether it's permissible to make this barrier on Shabbos, see further. Uh, continues in It's also forbidden to engage in relations during the day. Unless the house is darkened. And a Torah scholar can darken it with his cloak and then it's permissible. It's forbidden to engage in relations during a famine. Unless you do not yet have children. Same thing applies to any other kinds of suffering. Shame uh, oven, which are like a famine. You'd give a a guest should not engage in marital relations. If they had a separate room, then it's permissible. As long as they're not using the uh, cloaks, uh, the clothing of the householder. Uh, the semen is the strength of the body and the light of the eyes. Anytime it's emitted too much, the body uh, disintegrates and his life uh, diminishes. Anyone who is steeped in uh, relations uh, gets old quickly, and his strength weakens, and his eyes dim, and it causes bad breath, and the hair of his head and uh, his eyelashes and eyebrows um, fall out and the uh, hair of his beard and his underarms and his legs uh, increases and his teeth decay and all sorts of other pains apart from these ones uh, come upon him the wise of the doctors have said one in a thousand die from all other illnesses, for Elef, Merev Tashmish. But the thousand die from too much uh, in way of relations. Therefore, a person needs to be careful. A person shouldn't engage in relations when he is satiated or hungry. Rather, once the food has settled in his stomach, he shouldn't uh, engage standing, not sitting, and not in a bathhouse, not on the day that he's going to the bathhouse, not on the day of bloodletting, not on the day that he goes out on a journey, or he returns from a journey, not the day before, not the day afterwards. 
One who engages in relations on a bed where a child is sleeping, that's dangerous for the health of the child. And that's only true if he was not yet one year old. But if he is a year old, there's no concern. And they didn't say uh, when he's sleeping by their feet. But if he's sleeping by their head, there's no concern. They only said this when he they didn't place their hands over him. But if they place their hands over him, there's no concern. In other words, uh, we just want to make sure that the baby is safe. A bed that one is sleeping with one's spouse. That one should have the head facing northward and the feet facing southward. One should not urinate naked before his bed. One of the things that God hates, one who urinates naked before his bed. Maybe the day on this, one who urinates by his bed naked, that causes poverty. They only said that when one is facing the bed. But if you're facing ways, there's no concern. And when we say that you're facing the bed, that's only the case when it is towards the ground. But into a utensil, uh, there's no concern about engaging in such activity. One should take care to honor Shabbos. Even one who needs the financial assistance of others, if he has a little of his own, he needs to encourage himself, enthuse himself to honor Shabbos. And they only said, rather uh, have weekday food on Shabbos, rather than ask for tzedakah. They only said that, that's only for someone who really has very little. Really, the right thing to do is to have less during the week in order to be able to honor the Shabbos with better food. One of the decrees of Ezra was that one should wash one's clothes on Thursday in honor of Shabbos. Uh, we're accustomed to knead, K-N-E-A-D, uh, the dough. Uh, to have the amount uh, for challah in the house. To make loaves to break over them on Shabbos and Yom Tov. And that's part of the honor of Shabbos and Yom Tov. And one shouldn't change. Uh, there are those that write that in some places the custom is to eat pastida, like a kugel, on Shabbos Eve. Which reminds us of the man that was covered above and below. But I didn't see people concerned about this. The law of one who rents his field or bathhouse to a Gentile. A person shouldn't rent his bathhouse to an idolater because it's called by his name. Now that you have the Gentile working there on Shabbos, that generally people don't uh, give their bathhouses to a shared ownership. That all of the profit belongs to the Jew. And he has hired the Gentile um, for a certain amount per day. And it seems that the uh, Gentile is acting on behalf of the Jew. But a field is permissible. Because one does have a shared ownership, um, shareholders, when it comes to 
a field. And even though people know that it belongs to a Jew, I mean, they say, the Gentile bought shares in it. And he's working for himself. The tanur and an oven, dinokamerchatz, has the same law as a bathhouse. Verachaim and a flour mill, dinokasada is like a field. Even though the Gentile only purchased a third or a quarter, and it still is beneficial, uh, the fact that the Gentile works on Shabbos, Shari, it's permissible. Because the Gentile is working for himself. Even a bathhouse or, a, or an oven. If they rented it, uh, if he rented it out year after year, and it became well known that it's rented out. Uh, because it becomes known that the way is not to hire workers but to rent out that bathhouse. Also, if the general practice in that place is to rent out or um, get, sell shares uh, of one's bathhouse, then it is permissible to rent it out to a Gentile or to um, give him shared ownership. Says the Ramah, even in a forbidden place, if the bathhouse or the oven doesn't belong to the Jew, but rather he rented it from a Gentile and then he went and rented it back to a Gentile, sorry, it's permissible. Because the Jewish name isn't attached to it. Also, if there's a bathhouse in a dwelling place, and the only people that use that bathhouse are the members of that household, and they know that it's rented out to a non-Jew. Shari, then it's permissible. If a person transgressed and rented it out in a forbidden fashion, some say that the, the payment is permissible, and some say that it's forbidden, and that's the main which activities can a non-Jew perform for a Jew on Shabbos? A person can make an arrangement with the Gentile concerning work and set a fixed amount of payment. And then the Gentile is working for himself. And then, even though he is doing the work on Shabbos, it's permissible. But Medra, remember what we're talking about, Betzina, privately. That nobody sees that this work is being done and assumes that it's Jewish work. But if it's well-known and famous, also it's forbidden. That people seeing the non-Jew working don't realize that the Jew has given him a fixed payment. And instead they say that the Jew has hired the Gentile to work for him on Shabbos. Therefore, one who uh, pays a non-Jew to build his courtyard or his wall or to reap his field, if the work was in town, then he's not allowed to have him do the work on Shabbos. Because onlookers won't know that he has given him a fixed payment. Says Even if he lives amongst Gentiles, we're still concerned about visitors. Or even his own householders who will suspect him of having hired the non-Jew. Continues. If it was outside the city, and there's no other city nearby, that's where the Gentiles doing work, more than it's permissible. Says the Ramah. A non-Jew who brought the Jewish flocks into uh, the area of the field that they're kept. And the common simon to have kuflam zayin. So if you dalad see further, 
base. Lifts all ha'avonim al takan akaris to cut the to hew the stones and to fix the beam. The fill base shall any hoodie even in the house of the non-Jew also is forbidden. Kevin del serchem chuberhu because it's for the needs of something that's attached to the ground. Also, can if they did so, like yishakim bevinyan, they shouldn't use it in the building. Says If it's not well known that it belongs to Jew, then it's permissible. Some say, Gimel. If non-Jews built a house for a Jew on Shabbos, um, which is forbidden, it's proper to be strict not to enter that house. Says However, if the Jew told the non-Jew not to do malachim on Shabbos, and the non-Jew didn't listen, he decided that he wanted to speed up the work to finish his job. Then there's no concern. David, Malachas Farhesia, public activity, a Philip Matatlin, Gugansfina, how you do Israel, even if it's uh, with movables, like a ship that belongs to a Jew that's known, the same law applies as things that are connected to the ground. Hey, if a Jew hired a non Jew for a year or two, uh, that he should be his scribe or that he should sew clothing for him, Harry's a coast of Eric Bashabas, get a little then he can go ahead and write or sew on Shabbos as if he uh, gave him a fixed amount for to write a book or to weave a garment. So he can do it whenever he wants. In other words, if he has an annual salary, then it's up to him when he does the work. As long as he's not calculating each day how much he owes him, and he's not doing the work in the Jew's house. And there are those who prohibit such an, an arrangement of hiring this non-Jew for this amount of time. Says the Ramah, that's only if he hired him for a certain work, for example, to weave a garment or to write a book. But if he hired him for all manner of work that would be needed during that period, then it's forbidden according to everybody, as will be explained. A Jew who purchased the rights to the taxes, and he then has a non-Jew collect those taxes on Shabbos, then it's permissible if it's in a receiving way. Meaning, he says to him, when you collect a hundred dinner, I will give you such and such. Says the Ramah, he could also rent out the rights of the taxes for all Shabbases to the non-Jew. And then the non-Jew can collect the profit of the Shabbases for himself. The people will say that he's doing the collections for the Jew. Because in a situation of great loss like this one, uh, our rabbis weren't concerned. And, the, and a Jew who is appointed to oversee uh, the king's coinage, uh, currency. It's the same uh, as one who is appointed over the taxes. Even though when they're beating out, the minting the new coins, people hear the sound on Shabbos. The Jew needs to take care not to be sitting by the non-Jew on Shabbos when he is uh, busy in the work of the mint or the uh, tax collection. If a Jew and non-Jew are partners, how should they conduct themselves on Shabbos? Aleph. 
if a Jew and a Gentile jointly own a field or oven or bathhouse or mill or their partners in a shop so if they made a condition from the outset that all profit on Shabbos should go to the Gentile, whether it's a little or it's a lot, and all the profit from Sunday should correspond to the Shabbos and only go to the Jew, uh, then that would be fine. If they didn't make such an agreement, when they go to divide the profits, then the Gentile should take all of the Shabbos money, and the other six days they divide equally. If the profits of Shabbos are unknown, then the Gentile should take one-seventh of the total profit, and then the six-sevenths should be divided equally between the two of them. Says the Ramah, Some permit the profits uh, post-factio, even if they didn't make a condition and just divided um, simply uh, without excluding Shabbos. And it would appear to me with a case of a great loss, we could rely on that. That all of this is only talking about a partnership that each person works on a set day. But when they're both uh, busy in the business all the days of the week, and on Shabbos, only the Gentile is occupied in the work then they can divide the entire profit because the Gentile is working for himself and the Jew is not getting any benefit from his work because the work is incumbent upon him to do it nevertheless he should only take the Shabbos money swallowed up uh, with all the other days it shouldn't be a separate distinct amount that he's taking of Shabbos profits